You're listening to the Jesus for Everyone podcast, a podcast where we talk about the intersection of faith and social justice and what a first century Jewish prophet of the poor from Galilee offers us today in our work of love, compassion, and justice. To support this podcast, go to renewedheartministries.com and click donate. When we don't directly face the anguish that's caused because of some of our most desperately wanted prayers uh, are unanswered, uh, the reality puts us in a state of torment and and the conflict between what we think we're supposed to believe about prayer and, and the reality of the way things are. Hi everyone, welcome to this week's episode of the Jesus for Everyone podcast. My name is Herb Montgomery and this is episode 428. Our title this week is the pain of unanswered prayer and our reading is from the gospel of luke this is luke 11 1 through 13 one day jesus was praying in a certain place when he finished one of his disciples said to him lord teach us to pray just as john taught his disciples he said to them when you pray say father hallowed be your name your kingdom come give us each day our daily bread Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us, and lead us not into temptation. Then Jesus said to them, Suppose you have a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, Don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So, for many people, this week's reading it brings up painful memories and, and, and some pretty deep questions about unanswered prayers. In the first portion of the prayer, it's believed to have come from the same source as, as Matthew's vis- version of the prayer, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. And here, within his own cultural setting, Jesus is praying for a world where, if you understand this in its cultural context, he's praying for a world where resources are justly destroyed distributed to all, where everyone has what they need to thrive. In that patriarchal culture, the father was the householder who had the responsibility of of maintaining a, a just distribution of resources for all within the household. No one was to have too much while others didn't have enough. And if this is a, a new thought for you, I want to recommend uh, where I've uh, written on this uh, previously. It's God the Father, Exclusive Othering, and a Distributive Justice for All. I'll put a link to it in this week's e And I know also that the language of kingdom 
can be problematic, being both uh, patriarchal and and undemocratic. Uh, Today, we live in a different social context from the audience for which the Gospels were originally written. And in our social context, I think we can use better language to describe a just world where everyone has what they need to thrive rather than using the language of kingdom. But nonetheless, what this language is, is attempting to describe is a just world order. This prayer is a, a, a patient expression of longing for for some other world or not not uh, a different world than this one but rather a, a different iteration of our present world it's a prayer that this world with all its injustice violence and and hurt will will be put right and this context helps explain the next phrase that both Matthew and Luke's versions have in common. And it's that we will together all have our daily bread. This means that we'll have what we need, not simply to survive, but again, also to thrive. It's not a spiritual prayer, but a physical one. It's concerned with the concrete needs of people living their daily lives in the here and in the now. From time to time, I hear pastors say that saving souls for the afterlife is to be our mission as followers of Jesus. And, and they typically, they denounce being concerned with matters of justice and, and rights and equality in this life. They call it being too political. And, and so they, they reveal, actually, their own social uh, privileged social locations here. Jesus' prayer to the exact opposite of their rhetoric uh, calls that uh, gross other world focus squarely into question. He's praying here for just distribution of resources. He's praying here for daily bread. Luke's version of this prayer, it actually goes a little further and changes the third prayer request from the debt cancellation in Matthew's version to include forgiveness for sins more generally. And this might represent a shift that was taking place in the Jesus movement at this time. Uh, Maybe it was a shift away away from calls for economic justice to, again, forgiving sins in general. And maybe that was because the social location of, of the early church itself was also changing. But but I've written before on my preference for Matthew's version um, as contrasted with Luke's and why in our context today, I think Matthew's call for economic justice and, and a plea for reduced inequality in the year of Jubilee, I, I think that's more life-giving. And if you'd like to pursue that, further, uh, uh, the, the article where I wrote about that on RudeHeartMinistries.com's website is uh, Prayer for Debts Cancelled, and I'll put a link to that also in this week's e-site. But after the prayer, Jesus and the disciples, they share an, an anecdote intended to emphasize the importance of persistence in prayer. The story is rooted in a, the, the Mediterranean shame and honor culture and those expectations uh, and the social tensions that were connected to them. In that region, it would have been shameful not to show hospitality, hospitality um, to a friend who, who arrives late uh, in the night 
on a journey. And it would also be shameful for someone to approach their neighbor to help show that hospitality very late at night. So that once again, you have this tension, which, which shame is greater? And the person in the story chooses to risk the shame of going to their neighbor late at night over risking the shame of not being hospitable to their unexpected guest. And it's difficult for us in our context today to understand how deep these social expectations of hospitality were in this culture and how strong the sense of shame would be if someone failed to meet those expectations. But a host cannot bring themselves to deny sustenance to their guest. And, and in the story, he must thus ask for help. And despite the inconvenient hour, he, he has to do it. So Luke adds that the neighbor finally decides to help because of the host's persistence. And it's awkward to use a story about hospitality to, to, to teach a different value here of persistence and prayer. But Luke's gospel attempts to do it nonetheless. Less. And, and this is how uh, the, the, that's how this reading actually, I believe, becomes problematic. Presuming that God is good and that goodness is the only variable, that, that, that God's goodness is the only variable in prayer being answered. Luke's Jesus uses some troubling, uh, absolute language. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. And, and if only it were that simple. If only answered prayers were solely dependent on the variable of an all-powerful, good, divine being. Uh, absolutes like this, they've produced atheists when reality doesn't line up with the teaching. And because everyone who asks honestly doesn't receive, and sometimes those who seek, they don't find, and sometimes the door remains closed in spite of our persistent knocking, and it's okay to admit this. I don't claim to know how God or the universe or prayer works. What I do know is that absolute language like this, used by the author of Luke's version of the Jesus story, it has proven to be more troublesome than helpful when people experience bad Bad things in their lives and that the prayers that we need answered uh, just simply aren't. And, and this month's recommended reading from Renewed Heart Ministries. Nancy Island quotes uh, Nancy Mayer's book, Carnal Acts uh, Essays, and this is from uh, The Disabled God Toward a Liberatory Theology of Disability, page 13. Uh, she writes, The bodies we inhabit and the lives those bodies carry on need not be perfect to have value. Bad things do happen, we know, to bad and good people alike, but so do good things. Life's curses, like life's blessings are always mixed. And I, I find the expectation of this mixture that some prayers may not be answered while others maybe are, or even uh, some prayers are maybe even unanswerable to, to be, I find this, this mixture to be uh, more life-giving in my own work of endeavoring to shape our world into a safer, more just, more compassionate home for everyone. And, and I never see the Jesus of the Gospels wax eloquent 
in in a Hellenistic philosophical fashion to to explain why bad things happen and why some prayers go answered. What I do find is a Jesus who calls his followers to keep doing what they have the capacity to do, to be the answer to other people's prayers, being someone else's answer. That, that that's something that I can can often do. Not and not not always, but but that's a different focus. And I'm I'm going to have to accept that uh, that's going that's enough. Not all prayers are answered, and they're not all answered for a multitude of reasons. And yes, we can say that, and I think we must because it's true. When we don't directly face the anguish that's caused because of some of our most desperately wanted prayers uh, are unanswered, uh, the reality puts us in a state of torment, and and the conflict between what we think we're supposed to believe about prayer and, and the reality of the way things are, that tension causes a deep need for resolution that many never find. And and some choose simply to live with the torment, and some others... Some others are haunted by it, uh, and others, they choose instead to challenge what they've been taught to believe, and, and in the end, they find rest. And I believe there's wisdom in facing this pain rather than living in denial. It, 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 I think it's in facing our disappointments that we begin to grieve, and in the end, our spirits are released, believing that everyone who, who asks receives it can impact our personal well-being when we don't receive. And this doesn't even begin to address how believing the absolutes about answered prayer, that often relieves us of our own responsibilities to take action on behalf of others, and sometimes even action on behalf of ourselves. But but I believe the path of healing, it begins not with believing that the door is always opened for those who just knock long enough, uh, nor even with the belief that all prayers are answered, but Instead, the path of healing begins with coming to terms with the reality that for whatever reason that makes the most sense to you and is the most life-giving for you, uh, sometimes we pray and we don't receive. Heart Group application this week. Share something that spoke to you from this week's e-site or podcast episode with your heart group. Number two, if you feel comfortable, please share with your heart group a story of how you had to come to terms with a prayer that went unanswered and how you processed that experience. And then number three, what can you do this week, big or small, to continue setting in setting in motion the work of shaping our world into a safe, compassionate, just home for everyone? Thanks for checking in with us today, right where you are. Keep living in love, choosing compassion, taking action, and working toward justice. I love each one of you dearly. I'll see you next week.